0: Presented by the Common Sense Institute, welcome to Common Sense Digest, the podcast that seeks to inject a little common sense into Colorado's policy discussion. Here's your host, Earl Wright. Welcome to Common
1: Sense Digest podcast. My name is Earl Wright. I am the chairman of the board of CSI. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to explore the topic of our state's economic recovery in face of high inflation. And many of us know that we just had a recorded national inflation of 7.5%. I'm joined by CSI's Vice President of Policy and Research, Chris Brown, and CSI's newest team member, Dr. Stephen Byers, who's just joined us as a senior economist. Chris, welcome back, and Steve, great to have you on board.
0: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Chris, let's kind of start with you, if we, we could, uh, on a quick question here. You hired Stephen, and he's now on board. How come? How <laughs> come?
2: We we finally needed to get serious in our research, Earl. No, it's, it's so you,
1: a, we now have a real PhD doing economic <laughs> research. Is that what you're saying?
2: I'm, I'm yeah. You know, we we've been able to tackle a lot tackle a lot of issues, and we have a great you know a tremendous team at CSI and and have done some you know great work over the last eleven years. Uh, but this is a, a, a really a next evolution in being able to both sort of increase the depth of our work and investigating a few areas in economic research that that we may have been lacking and the breadth of the work in terms of the number of issues and types of issues we can take on and produce that can really help inform Coloradans, elected officials, business leaders, and voters.
1: Well, it seems to me, having been here from the beginning, that uh, what we're doing with uh, Stephen, adding, and with the research that you've done, is we're saying, hey, we're making even a bigger commitment to the state of Colorado, so that we can use Absolutely. the so we can use the econometric modeling, and uh, Stephen's background uh, to uh, dig even deeper into issues, and maybe even take on broader issues from an economic perspective. Stephen, you know, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Earl. Um, CSI's fact-based, nonpartisan approach to economic analysis suits me, and I look forward to working on issues that CSI is working on uh, with regards to Colorado and its economy. How about
1: giving us uh, 50 words or less on some of the economic uh, issues you've worked on in the past and the positions you've held?
0: Okay. Um, I began my career in economics uh, in federal banking and securities regulation, securities markets regulation, and then moved on to the realm of litigation support, uh, precisely or specifically uh, cases brought before the U.S. International Trade Commission. Uh, these involved anti-dumping cases, patent infringement. Uh, my most recent experience involved nonprofit a nonprofit organization consisting of manufacturing, agriculture, labor, consumer, and citizen interest groups, where we conducted research on the U.S. economy, exchange rates, international trade, and tariffs. We also advocated for leveling the playing field for domestic producers so they can compete with heavily subsidized foreign producers.
1: So you're doing some pretty heavy international as well as domestic economic analysis.
0: Yes, it was. Um, We were particularly focused over the last four years during the Trump administration on the impact of tariffs. On U.S. competitiveness?
1: It looks to me, Chris, that we've got ourselves, uh, uh, what do you say, another arrow in our quiver to help us be even more effective. Um, Stephen, well, let me start with you. The questions, all right? This is, uh, in our opinion, uh, a pivotal time in our state's uh, economic history. You know, we're coming out of the pandemic, and we talked about Uh We still are on a path of recovery from the pandemic. At the same time, we're experiencing inflation, as I mentioned before, at levels not seen in the past 40 years. Uh, you have an interesting and varied background. You already m- mentioned it, the banking, litigation, regulation, international economics, domestic economics, public policy. Give us an idea as to how you see the, the, uh, the current situation with regards to Colorado, uh, and uh, particularly uh, inflation in Colorado. And I'm going to talk to you about uh, taxation in Colorado in a second, but how do you see inflation in Colorado relative to the national perspective?
0: Inflation in Colorado uh, over the period of uh, January 2020 to 21 was uh, increased at a rate of 7.9%, which is four uh, basis points higher than the national average.
1: 7.9 versus 7.5?
0: Correct. How come? Well, housing prices as a component of that overall inflation measure contribute to it a lot. Prices here, and we'll get to uh, hopefully a little bit later specifically, have increased, uh, the medium home prices increased about 17 to 19% over that same period. Meanwhile, rent... And that
1: represents what, about 31% of the uh, CPI, just, uh, just housing costs?
0: Uh, but also rents, uh, uh, which are you know, a lot of renters here in Colorado because of un- unaffordability. Rent for a one-bedroom uh, apartment is increased by 22% over that same period.
1: My goodness, 22%. And we all know that salaries have not increased by 22 percent. So you're telling me that a larger chunk of everybody's salary, if they're renting, now has to go for uh, for rental payments.
0: Yes. Uh, interesting you brought up wages. According to the BLS, the average weekly raise for Coloradoans over the past year uh, rose 5.2 percent.
1: Oh, my goodness. Any idea of, I know that uh, our uh, information, research we did said that uh, uh, goods have gone up like 10.7% over the last 12 years. Anything suggests that the goods uh, expenses in Colorado are any less than that? I mean, if wages have gone up what you're talking about and goods have gone up like I just talked about, I can't imagine that, that the average Coloradoan isn't going to be impacted significantly.
0: Uh, well i think i'd let chris respond to that uh, relying on a report that uh, csi recently put out on inflation
1: chris go ahead
2: yeah without a doubt this is a an issue that we've started to look at and steven's digging into a new layer of this information around taxable sales we'll have something out in in the coming weeks but you know this matters for household budgets it matters for government budgets you know we found that the impact of the you know increase in inflation over the last 12 months translated to you know essentially how ha- the average Coloradan household spending more than twenty nine hundred dollars over that period on many of the essential items
1: in their you know daily lives. Hold it, stop, just a second. You're telling me average one, twenty nine hundred dollars, and the average one... Do I remember correctly? Is sixty five thousand dollars of income? It's about sixty
2: five to seventy five thousand is the household uh, median income. Yeah. So
1: in effect, approximately five percent of our purchasing power and our income is evaporated.
2: And and the reality is that's that's even going to be worse in twenty twenty two. Now that estimate is for twenty twenty one, and that mm-hmm. accounts for the fact that inflation grew over that time period it didn't you know the 7.9 percent is the cumulative impact over 12 months so your your math is spot on that in 2021 that average household spent a little bit more than five percent on uh, the same items they bought in 2020. That are just now more expensive.
1: Well, I I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but that tells me that the real income of an average Colorado one has gone down five percent.
2: We haven't worked out those numbers exactly, but this is the impact of inflation: is that households' real income is is going down, and uh, we think that matters. uh, Given we're in the midst of a, a recovery, and it matters in you know in general, but especially because we're still quite a long ways off from recovering from, you know, where we fell off in 2020 and the pandemic.
1: Steve, I'm going to kind of rewind here for a second. And unfortunately, I start on kind of a down note with inflation, but you've been, you're a native of Colorado.
0: Yes.
1: You've seen Colorado from what I used to refer to as kind of a cow town, Denver, to really, a, it's a, it's one of the Better, you know, as far as the Plains go, it's Queen City of the Plains, they refer to it, and it truly is. That Um, must
2: be hard for you to say as a Nebraskan, Earl, I I can imagine.
1: Well, not really because I migrated here, so it's (laughs) it's, it's easy. Um, But my point, uh, Steve, and the question for you is, in light of the experience and everything you've seen and the experience you've seen outside of Colorado, now you're back here in Colorado, what do you see the challenges that uh, are facing us? It could be from, you know, next year or two to maybe longer-term challenges. It's just you as a native and with your background, you're saying, hey, I I think we need to address some issues here and get them under control.
0: I have seven items that came to the forefront of my mind regarding this issue of uh, what are the main things that Colorado faces going forward. First one is creating jobs that elevate the living standards for lower- and middle-class Coloradoans. Uh, housing affordability, which is in the news daily, is uh, definitely of utmost importance, and that's so we can also attract uh, the people we need to keep uh, elevating the level of our workforce. Uh, there's a rise in homelessness, which has become very apparent. There's increased pressure on water resources, which has always been an issue in the West, but with this large amount of growth that we've seen, um, there's going to be much more pressure on water resources and how we manage them. As is the case nationally, there's inadequate transportation and infrastructure to help with just general commerce and, uh, and transportation of goods and the fluidity of the economy. There's also elevated crime rates, which is really unusual for me to experience in Colorado because it was always such a safe place. Lastly, I don't know if many people think about, but we need to ensure that there's a smooth transition to clean energy, but it's accomplished without reducing the reliability of the energy grid, kind of like what we saw in Texas last year with, you know, they had some problems, and keeping energy affordable.
1: That's quite a list. And um, I know some of it we've already begun to uh, work on. But, Chris, um, I'm going to put you on the spot. In a lot of the list he just mentioned, um, what do you see uh, some of the priorities that you and, and uh, Stephen may be working on in uh, some of the CSI research?
2: Well, I think, you know, kind of in your opening question about, you know, kind of where we think we can go from here. A lot of those issues, you know, as Stephen was going through, I was kind of thinking, oh, no, what's he going to say that we need to add to our list? Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-oh. But but I, I, you know, I think it's encouraging that some of those issues and a lot of those issues we have, as you said, addressed. But there's a lot more to look at from an economic standpoint, from a public policy standpoint. These issues are not going to be... Fortunately resolved, you know, in a in any sort of immediate, you know, near time frame, and so they're going to require this additional uh, research to add evidence and information to the debate. So, uh, I think, you know, I'm encouraged because those issues are very much on our radar. We've in the last couple months put out some good work around crime. We have that uh, the, the unfortunate rise in crime. The, the growth in homelessness both of these projects are, are are squarely in our sights for the coming months housing affordability something we've we've looked at and two of our research fellows Evelyn Lim and Peter Lafari have been actively engaged in in conversations in terms of pushing their ideas and uh, some of the, the ideas and solutions that are bubbling up in the state capitol and sort of helping to engage on uh, what the true impacts and how those might improve the, the housing formula. So I think, you know, as Coloradans, we we all can see a lot of these issues as being priorities, and it's a matter of having a timely analysis that can be actionable and insightful for, for our elected officials, for voters to understand, you know, what the pathway out of some of these problems might be.
1: The issues that you mentioned, uh, the analysis that we've done, I don't think one one of those issues is not uh, is is not before, or I should say, every one of those issues is before the state legislature at the present time. On the crime issue, uh, we're talking about certainly the issue of drugs and uh, and the the law that changed that to some extent that may have contributed to the uh, current crime issue, and, and, and we had this unfortunate issue with regards to the five deaths in fentanyl, uh, which to some extent has to go back with. Hey, wait a minute, there's a leniency with regards to how much that a person can have, be it four grams versus two grams. Four grams is lethal, whereas two grams may be less lethal, but it's still, it's still bad. But the point is is that, that information is being used in the affordable housing is a priority for, with the legislature. So, yeah, congratulations to you and your team with regards to the issues. Chris, I want to... go to you for a second, if I could, on uh, we're talking about the economy and things that need to be done. What are you tracking at the present time with regards to the recovery and where we are and your lack of optimism or your optimism that you may have?
2: I may come across more sour, but I I generally am optimistic about the ability for, uh, you know, Coloradans and innovation to prevail, you, you mentioned the legislature. We talked talked about it a little bit in our last episode, and, and as you just you know brought up, two of the top issues I think that uh, have have bubbled to the top of the list for both the Republicans and, and Democrats and in, in the legislature has been affordability and crime. And you know this issue of affordability has many dimensions. I think this issue of inflation and housing go into that, but. The, the important thing to keep in mind is, is where we are in this recovery. We still are 1.5% down in terms of total employment levels from where we were at the end of 2019. So we're almost at the two-year anniversary uh, of the start of the pandemic and the worst months in terms of job loss. And we are still 1.5% down from where we were. Now we are projected to you're talking recover. About
1: participation rate is
2: No, I'm talking total job level. Total
1: job level. One and a half percent below. That's a large number then if you take in the entire population.
2: It's it is. It is. It's more than forty thousand jobs were still down. At the current rate, we do expect April May time frame to recover to a level of the total number of jobs that we had again, at the end of 2019. However, our population has also grown. Our workforce has grown. And so the projections from the state and other sources at the moment don't show Colorado recovering in terms of a population-adjusted employment level until beyond 2022.
1: That's astounding to me in light of what's going on in the economy the shortages of jobs, I can tell you that in our own firm, you know, we're scrambling to find uh, people for various positions in our own firm. What's happening? Why why aren't those jobs being filled? Is it the service industry? Uh, COVID fears? What do we have going on?
2: Well, I'll, I'll turn to Stephen on some of the what he's looked at and some of the sectors he's, he's looked at. I think some of the sectors hardest hit, accommodations, you know, those that serve recreation certainly are still down. Underlying all of this is also a huge pullback and, and employment levels reduced in the mining sector, which includes oil and gas, which is another element to this that I think is especially detrimental to to Colorado relative to some other states. Stop,
1: stop on the oil and gas. We have ninety four to ninety seven, ninety eight dollar a barrel at the present time. The premium basis is going crazy. We have uh, oil rigs out now at previous high levels. And you're telling me that in Colorado, we are still being impacted. What's going on that we wouldn't see the oil and gas services recover?
2: A lot of dimensions to this. You mentioned the national and global market, which I think for a period in 2020 and through part of 2021 was certainly impactful on investment. You know, there's been major state regulatory changes in how they govern and regulate. Uh, the permitting of oil and gas that changed right at the end of 2020. The final, the new rules went into effect at the end of 2020. We didn't see a new permit for oil and gas for the first nine months of 2021. Uh, Not a single one. And that's, again, not the only factor, but that is a, a huge component to the investment and job base and sort of secondary impacts on industries across some regions in Colorado that, again, I think is has been hidden in some of this uh, broader economic data.
1: Stephen, you've, you're well-versed on the entire economic issue, but give us a sense, if you would, one of the measures of our health. We just found, you know, what Chris said, we're still under the employment level you would expect, but how's the state doing with regards to tax collections? Is that kind of a sour note, too, or what's going on?
0: Uh, no, it's not a sour note. There is a lot of positive uh, news, but uh, with just a few uh, few sectors that are hurting, uh, let me begin by saying that we are getting ready to put out a study on this, but we cannot uh, complete it until the official statistics on December's taxable sales for Colorado come out the week of March 4th. So following that release, we'll complete our study and issue it. Uh, taxable sales, for those who don't know, are those sales that are eligible for state and local taxation. And we find that they're a good measure of consumer and business activity. So what we've seen so far, uh, and I'll put this caveat on. We did estimate what December taxable sales would be using historical changes from November to December over the last five years. So I've got what I would consider to be a good estimate of what December sales would come in at. Now let's look at taxable sales by industry and by county, but first we'll look at the overall. Economic activity as proxied by taxable sales have rebounded in 2021 by $21.2 which is a 19.2% increase over 2020 numbers. Now that follows a COVID related contraction in taxable sales of a negative one billion, it's nine hundred and sixty three million dollars, which is about a negative one percent change in 2020. So COVID definitely reduced uh, economic, uh, economic activity as measured by taxable sales in 2020. Uh, But looking at taxable sales by industry first, uh, despite an overall increase in statewide taxable sales, the recovery was unevenly distributed among 31 industrial sectors as reported by the Colorado Department of Revenue.
1: You say unevenly distributed? Yes. Okay.
0: I'll address that right now. The 2021 change in taxable sales vary from a decrease of minus 4.6 percent in finance and insurance to an increase of sixty-eight percent in administrative support and waste management and remediation services. So you've gotten from negative five to sixty-eight uh, percent you know in two very different sectors. Not all industrial sectors have recovered to the level of 2019 taxable sales. The following sectors taxable sales are below nineteen levels. Mining, coring, oil and gas was down 180 million. The information sector's down seven hundred and forty million finance insurance is down 60 million. Real estate and leasing is down 110 million. Now, I would think that some of that has to do with, uh, elevated prices of rents and housing. Accommodation and food services has rebounded 29% in 2021, but it's still one and a half billion dollars lower uh, than it was in 2019. I think we can attribute this to the fact that under the COVID related restrictions that were put on the economy in 2020 and 21 many of the accommodation and food service businesses simply closed their doors
1: that was all very sobering also very you know in light of what you said chris on the energy sector and mining i guess it and the lack of jobs and those uh, all the ones that are down that that uh, steve mentioned suggested to me they're pretty good paying jobs
2: yeah in general though those sectors certainly have jobs that are paying above above median wages
0: one uh, you know to put some interesting good news on this is one sector that has been extremely robust is non-store retail taxable sales think internet sales so My these goodness. this will surprise you 2021 taxable sales totaling 9.2 billion dollars from non-store retailers have tripled since
1: 2019 holy cow
0: This large increase is due to two factors. One is increased Internet purchases, but secondly, it has to do with reporting. As a result of the Colorado Department of Revenue, as of December 1, 2018, requiring all businesses who sell goods to customers in their state to assess sales tax based on the customer's address, not the location of the business selling the item.
1: Could that be a significant contributor to our sales tax for the year?
0: Yes, it is. We do have uh, the amount of contribution. Well, it's an additional $6 billion uh, right off the top. This contributed to about 5% of the overall. uh, And
1: probably a a segment that we expect to continue to grow with aggressively?
0: Absolutely. I I think the uh, horse is out of the barn with regard to the way people purchase goods and services now, but mostly goods. Um,
2: The the interesting piece to this, that again, we'll try to you know parse out, and I think is important for you know people tracking this and and listening, is I talked about employment levels still down one and a half percent. We're not quite recovered yet. Taxable sales has more than recovered twenty percent over. And Steven's done some good work accounting for inflation and population growth. As he's brought up, part of that growth in taxable sales has been policy driven. You know, it was it was quite fortuitous that the state in some ways passed these rules heading into COVID that allowed for uh, the state to, to start taxing based upon the location of the buyer. This so is we're, for online purchases. For online purchases. Yes. And that happened prior to twenty twenty and could you imagine you know the sort of impact we might face in terms of tax revenue should that not have become law given the changes we've seen in consumer behavior over the last year so that's had a profound impact but but it's it also reflects activity in terms of where that that production of those goods and services occurring that is outside the borders of Colorado so that's why the the jobs here have not recovered yet. The tax base, because of our somewhat new ability to capture a revenue stream from activity, that production that's occurring out of state, it's offsetting, and and we're seeing a net positive. Now, Stephen may correct me a little bit here. He stared at this more than I have, but it, it's a it is an interesting piece of this to look at and compare to where
0: we're seeing the jobs. Well, uh, this kind of segues from some of the work I was doing for domestic uh, producers competing against foreign producers who were heavily subsidized, with an increase in internet sales and people purchasing from entities outside of Colorado, you need to start looking at the competitiveness of the Colorado producer relative to producers in the rest of the state that are competing for the same product markets. That's something that I think would be interesting to look at in the future and what could policymakers, uh, the legislature and so forth do, uh, maybe with tax code and, uh, you know, other regulations to make sure that Colorado businesses can remain competitive.
1: That's a really interesting question. It comes back to kind of, it goes to the uh, international trade question of comparative advantage. So often, you know, what comparative advantage do we have or can we create here to enhance jobs, and are we losing a comparative advantage by some of our public policies? I don't know. I I think that's something maybe is worthwhile considering. Or am I going astray,
0: Steve? You've captured my thoughts exactly. I think that we need to look at what what are the industries in Colorado that provide the most bang for the policy dollar, and what are the industries that are creating high-paying jobs. What are the industries that are producing the most uh, amount of tax revenue for the state of Colorado and for local jurisdictions? And policy needs to take those uh, demographics into account and focus their efforts on aiding those industries who are doing well, but also bolstering those who aren't.
1: Seems to me you're talking about public policy, regulation, and taxation, and... uh... It's a pretty heavy plate, Chris, to uh, try to try to lift and carry forward. Stephen, I'm not going to let you off the hook here for a second. We started off by talking about inflation. How much is inflation impacting the sales numbers that you're seeing?
0: Okay, uh, let me reiterate that the nominal change in taxable sales in two thousand and twenty one was nineteen point two percent. When you take into account, and I'll stepwise do this, when you take into account the change in population and look at taxable sales per capita, that increase was 15.6%. If we then adjust that taxable sales per capita by inflation and take take it into account, that number is reduced to 7%. So what we're seeing here is that inflation had a large impact on the price of the goods sold, which is increasing the taxable sales.
1: Okay. You did mention that before, but I appreciate you going over that again. The issue with regards to Colorado uh, kind of is is somewhat being impacted by um, what's going on nationally, and um, I'm going to ask myself a question and answer it, okay? We have uh, an issue with uh, domestic inflation at the present time. And I'd love your, your, both of your comments with regards to kind of what, how we assess it of what's going on and how that might be reflective in Colorado. It's my opinion that the Fed is in uncharted waters at the present time with regards to what's going on, 7.5% inflation. Just let me explain it for a second. You have international supply disruptions, which goes back to globalization. The supply disruptions are with many goods that are in high demand. And that high demand has been supplemented by a huge amount of excess savings that has created over the last two years because of the fiscal policies that the, we had on the Trump administration and the Biden administration. And you guys can correct me, Stephen, but as I remember the peak of the excess savings was $2.3 trillion for the general public, and it's now down to about $1.8 trillion of excess savings. So if you got that extra money in the bank, you know you'd probably like to spend it if you have things that you want to spend it on. But what's happening is you have a short supply of things because of the supply shortage, and so we have a you know a little bit of a problem. And I mentioned to you earlier that goods, which make up about forty uh, percent of the CPI, is up over ten percent. That's a pretty doggone significant increase for part of the CPI. Services, which make up sixty uh, percent. We're up, up about 5 to 6%, uh, but wages are increasing, and they're increasing aggressively, which the service industry is enormously impacted by. And, you know, I, guys, I just don't see how the, the Fed has got the issue of a 61% participation rate, normally a 63%. That means there's millions of people that aren't working that normally would be working, but yet we have a labor shortage, and we have wages going up because of the labor shortage, particularly on the service side, and I, I, I was astonished in a conversation with Federal Reserve member, a, a economist, that for the participation rate or that labor force to get up to where it was before, most recessions take seven years to get back up to that. We're a long ways away from the seven years of recovery, got five year, more years to go. This may be different this time, of course. So you have to ask, what in the world can the Fed do? And the Fed, you know, they have kind of a blunt instrument, Steve. Um, and that is that they can increase interest rates and they can also stop, you know, buying U.S. debt. But if they increase interest rates too aggressively, the U.S. growth of 6% real all of a sudden could be, sh- you know, shut down. So they've got to be rather gentle in raising interest rates. And can you be gentle in raising interest rates to stop inflation, uh, particularly if you have a global international supply issue impacting what's available in goods? So from our perspective, um, you know, we might be able to see inflation at 2 to 2.5% in 2023 from the peak where it is now. But that depends to a large extent. Can the international supply shortage uh, that we're impacting right now get resolved? And my last point there is that, well, how do we count on COVID? Because if you have a zero policy, tolerance policy in Asia... Where a large part of our imported goods come from, they have decided that they'll shut down ports, shut down production, whatever is necessary to control the co- spread of COVID. So it seems to me we don't much control that, whereas COVID has that. So even though we think the things that the Fed can do domestically could get us down to two to two and a half percent, uh, maybe even three percent inflation, uh, how quickly that occurs to some extent is out of our control and. Got some pretty tough headwinds in front of us. So even though we're optimistic, we can probably get it under control eventually. It's uh, we're, we're we're watching some things very closely to see that that materializes. If it doesn't materialize, well, you'll see uh, interest rates go up even higher. But we fully expect interest rates to the ten year, which is like at you know one point nine four, I believe, as of today. At uh, if we get the 2% to two to three percent inflation. By definition, the 10-year has to go up 100 to 150 points, which means that that's going to impact uh, mortgage pricing and, and uh, probably uh, the financial markets. Probably more than you wanted to hear from me, Steve, but I'd be glad to have your thoughts as to how what I just said may impact how you see Colorado being impacted.
0: The same uh, phenomenon that's impacting Colorado or uh, the United States uh, as a nation um, Colorado is not immune to them, and we're going to be subject to those same forces. Uh, the demand side of this, uh, this inflation problem is really interesting this time because it's a supply-side issue and a demand-side issue. And if you've had macro 101, uh, you would understand that you know the Fed can uh, impact the demand side of the equation as well as fiscal policy can. But the Fed, with their blunt instrument of interest rates and now quantitative easing, um, a reduction in that will increase the long term of the long uh, term of the yield curve, uh, and the uh, short side will go up as the discount rate goes up. This is going to impact demand uh, quickly, and historically, we've seen that Fed efforts to reduce inflation tend to result in recessions. I don't know how they can escape that this time. On the,
1: I hope you're wrong.
0: Yeah. On the supply side, I find it's really interesting because I look at the United States as, and even Colorado as having an opportunity here, and that is to start repatriating some of the production that we've shipped overseas back to the United States. This will provide for more jobs, uh, increased uh, economic activity, higher wages, but it will also uh, provide us with a more secure supply chain.
1: Well, if I remember correctly, and I, I think I do, I read your paper on that particular topic, and <laughs> so you've done a little bit of research on what you're talking about. Well, I want to thank all of you. Chris, Stephen, it's great to have you on board. Chris, always appreciate all of the hard work you've done. I know, Stephen, you're going to be you know, putting your shoulder to the wheel coming up. Um, thank you so much for all of your insights today. I don't know if there's anything, a any final word you want to say, Chris? I
2: uh, appreciated. it. Uh, you know, AMG, I know, did a, a great webinar. Your, your organization did a great webinar. So, inflation is something that you've taken a lot of time to look at, and I appreciate your thoughts and insights into this topic as well, and helping uh, to sort of facilitate this debate. Stay tuned. You no, know, this is something that will probably be on our radar and the radar of Coloradans for unfortunately months, months to come. But um, something we want to continue to to think through and. And understand what uh, you know. Despite this being a, a national and global issue, you know what what can Colorado do uh, in the face of this? So, thank you. You're welcome. Thank Steven. you. You're it's welcome. good to be here.
1: Thank you, everybody. I hope um, tune in for our next uh, podcast. I believe in about two more weeks. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Common Sense Digest. For more on today's topic, as well as our research on the most pressing public policy issues facing Colorado, please visit commonsenseinstituteco.org. The preceding episode, along with all others, is available on Podcatchers Everywhere or on our website under the podcast tab. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deft Communications. This has been a production of the Common Sense Institute.